Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Yeah, it's a good place to be. Hey, we're in week three of a series we've called Hoarders. We've titled this series Hoarders. If you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. I do want to invite you, listen, if you're our guest today, uh, or maybe you've been here, maybe you've been attending for a while, you've been kind of kicking the tires, I would invite you, listen, stay today, 1130 after today's experience, we'll go through Roots 1.0 and you'll get to learn everything there is to know about our church, our mission, our vision, our purpose, all of that good stuff. Uh, and then you'll be able to um, move forward and, and come on, do your uh, personality profile, all of that stuff online. You can be, listen, there is a place at the table at Cultivate, all right? There's places for you to serve. And here's what I like to tell people all of the time, and it's the truth. God doesn't need us. God doesn't want anything from us. He wants everything for us. And we're never more like Jesus than when we're doing two things, than when we're serving others and we're walking out our lives in generosity. Those are two things that when we do those things, man, we are, we are becoming like Him. So I want to give you opportunity to get to know our church a little more and be a part of what God's doing here. So join me today. I'll be here. Join me today at 1130 and let's, uh, let's get to know each other a little better. All right, go ahead and pull out your notes. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. It's our theme verse. Jesus says this, I'm the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned because of me, because of the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And then He goes on. This is in your notes a little further. He says in verse 4, He says, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. If it's severed, it can't produce fruit. He said, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And this idea of being pruned, being cut off, things that aren't healthy, things that aren't, uh, aren't, that are, that can be detrimental into our lives. This series, Hoarders, all month long, we've been talking about what that looks like. And many of you have seen, I'm sure at some point, the television show, Hoarders, or maybe you know someone personally uh, that's a hoarder. I think Pastor Brandon Matthews maybe shared a story with you guys last week. We met a, a hoarder. We we know 100% um, the, 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 the significance of that on people's lives. And the idea of this series is really just like there are physical hoarders, we oftentimes are spiritual hoarders. And let me give you a definition, kind of give us all on the same field. It says it's uh, compulsive hoarding is also known as a hoarding disorder. It's a behavioral pattern characterized by excessive acquisition and of an inability or unwillingness to discard large quantities of objects that cover the living areas of the home, and this one's huge, that cause significant distress or impairment. Significant distress or impairment. It gets to a point where literally it affects my life. And we're talking specifically about spiritually. Week one, we talked about anxiety. We called our, the message was anxiety overload. And we talked about how it, it impairs us. Worry. You ever known somebody, maybe you're there, that person that just worries about everything. And it impairs your life. And we talked about how we can't have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't do that. It's impossible to do that. And we talked about how worry affects the way we think the way that we speak, the decisions that we make. And how do we get out of walking, just dig, walking the rat race, going in circles of our lives? And then uh, week two, we talked about uh, trouble. Come on, anybody just find, you know somebody that trouble just follows. It is everywhere. Listen, you don't know somebody, we are somebody. Jesus said, 
take, I, think about this. Jesus must, he's so encouraging. Uh, I, want, I want you to have peace. I'm telling you this so you'll have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> That's not very peaceful, Jesus. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't want that. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And he gives us step-by-step instruction, right? He's, I've overcome the world. Remain in me. And then today, we're specifically talking about anger. Anger. What does it look like for someone to be literally overrun with anger in their lives? I'm going to read some passages of Scripture. It's going to kind of help us set up our day together. They're in your notes. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Let's say control, that word. One, two, three. Control. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. What's he saying? Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Stop holding on to it. Don't hoard it away. Don't keep it inside. James chapter 1 tells us this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Verse 20, this one's huge. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Okay, so I want us to talk. There's lots of passages of scripture. I could have stood up here for the 30 minutes that we have and just read Bible verses of scripture that talks about the detriment of anger in our life. Jesus speaks to it, his word speaks to it. There's a reason. Come on, if the Bible talks about it a lot, we probably ought to listen. And, and it says human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires, meaning that human anger does produce something. You ever heard somebody, uh, or maybe you know someone and you've heard this phrase, uh, man, they just got a real short fuse. Anybody ever heard that? It's got a short fuse. Maybe you're like, that's me. I got a short fuse. My daddy had a short fuse. His daddy had a short fuse. We're just a family full of short fuses. It just is what it is. My mama's got a short fuse. My daddy's got a short fuse. It's inevitable. I'm going to have a short fuse. And this is what I want to submit to us today. I want us to kind of change our thought process because when we say that, we may not think about it this way, but when we say that, we are accepting a reality. We are accepting something that, 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 is, that has become reality in our lives as if it is unchangeable, as if it is something we can't do anything about. But here's what's true about that. Scripture says nothing about short fuses. You don't have a short fuse. You have a full heart. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, in Luke chapter 6. He says, he says, the mouth from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about that. See, I don't have a short fuse. I have a full heart. And what's my heart full of? My heart, it's very easy. You want to know what somebody's heart's full of? Just listen to them talk consistently. Just, just watch them live out their lives consistently. You will know very quickly what someone's heart is full of. And the truth is, for many of us who, think, who claim, well, we have short fuses, we have anger issues, it's because our heart is full. We have hoarded disappointments and anger and offenses for far too long. And it has overflown, overflowed into some of us little mini explosions, some of us very detrimental explosions. Come on, anybody ever stuck your foot in your mouth and you're like, mmm, I shouldn't have said that. I don't even realize it. Like sometimes you don't even, like you, you speak and you're like, whoa, where'd that even come from? I didn't even know that. Like it's, it, it explodes out of you. It overflows out of your life. So what does it look like? If, if anger doesn't produce righteousness that God desires, what is it producing in my life? So I'm going to pray and we're going to dive in. Here's what I think. I feel like for many of us, it's, this is going to hit home. It's, it's hit home in my family, in our lives. And I feel like it, it would be, if we allow Jesus to do what he can do, 
that he will bring some, he will open our eyes to the reality of where we are in our lives. And if we let him, the Holy Spirit can bring change. It's not something we can't control. And it's not something God can't change. Okay? So let's pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, Man, we just honor you. Thank you for your presence today. Man, what an honor to be able to worship you and to place you on the throne of our lives. And Father, I pray that's not something we just do on Sundays. And then we take you off and then we put everything else back on it throughout the week. But Father, I pray, God, that you take your rightful place in our lives. God, as king of our hearts, our minds, our lives, we submit to you as our Lord. So Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do as we open your word today, that you perform spiritual surgery on our hearts. And God, that we begin to produce something that you do desire. And God, that you get all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, we say it together. Amen. All right, number one, anger produces bitterness. Come on, if, 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 if from the overflow of my heart things happen, I am overflowing. Anger left unaddressed produces bitterness. And I want to explain to you what bitterness is because it's dangerous. Man, it's super, super dangerous. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. In other words, man, like look out for one another. Call each other out. Like let each other know. Hey, a but, hey, hey, there's a car coming. You might want to get on back out here. Like somebody, like let me know. Hey, man, you're, you're getting a little, a little out of hand. Like what's going on? Look out for one another. And then he says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness, you want to underline that, no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. To trouble you, corrupting many. What is bitterness? It's a resentful cynicism, all right, that results in an intense antagonism or hostility towards others. That's what bitterness is. Anger left unaddressed always turns to poison. Notice, it says it again, notice that once my anger turns to bitterness, it no longer simply affects me. As it grows, it affects me, but as it grows, it becomes what? Corruption to those around me. It makes everything different, right? So how do you know, how do you, how do you know bitterness, right? Uh, in life, you know what's bitter by what you taste. You can tell if it's bitter. Ooh, anybody like bitter stuff? I think crazy people. Some people like bitter stuff. And I think, man, something's wrong with you people who like bitter stuff. But let's give a little test, okay? I'm going to give you guys, we're going to take a test together, okay? Here's a question. Maybe you want to write it down. And we're just going to assess our own lives. Am I constantly negative in my approach to life and others? Am I constantly negative in my approach to life and others? Uh, culture would say many people that are like this, there's many of us probably sitting at every campus and every worship opportunity that says this, I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. Come on. Anybody been there? I'm just see things the way they are. And I, and that's how we tend to justify our cynicalism. Like really you're not, you're not real. You're cynical. You're just mad. You're angry. You're negative. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a way to justify bitterness beginning to take root. How about this one? Number two, do I tend to hold grudges? Do I write people off at the sign of disappointment when they let me down, when I had an expectation that they didn't meet? Do I write them off? Am I often, this one's a big one, number three, am I often unpleasant to be around those closest to me? You see, here's what I've learned. It's kind of easy to put a mask on and, and fake it until you make it in front of people you don't really know. If bitterness is taking root, often the people closest to me get the backlash the most, don't they? They begin to see. So are people closest to me always reminding me of my less than attitude? Man, why you always got to be so negative? 
Why you always got to turn it around and make it a bad thing? Why can't you see the best in a situation? Are people saying that to you often? Do people see that in you? Here's what you need to see. Bitterness is a root that feeds poison to my soul. What does it say? Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows to trouble you. You see, anger left unaddressed allows bitterness to graft itself into my soul. It grafts itself in. Jesus said, listen, my father, I am the vine. My father's the gardener. What does he do? He, he cuts things that don't produce fruit. He prunes things that do so that they can do more. Did you know that bitterness, it doesn't produce fruit. It actually, quite the opposite, it rots fruit. You see, the Bible talks about it in Galatians 5. It gives us some fruit of the Spirit. There's nine of them. It talks about it. Love, joy, pace, patience, patience kindness, goodness, right? Self-control. I mean, like these are fruits of the Spirit. And think about the reality of what bitterness does to those, to those fruits. Kindness, man, if you're bitter, you're allowing bitterness. It poisons the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Patience runs thin when you have a bitter attitude, right? It, like, it, it poisons, it's a root that poisons my soul. If I'm honest with these answers, if they're true, how important is it that I begin to, that I begin to shift my focus to get help, to seek accountability, to seek community? Because if bitterness goes, for, goes too far, it leads to, number two, hatefulness. Hatefulness. You see, anger hoarded away. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on while you're angry. Why? Because if you hoard it, it allows bitterness to graft itself into your soul. And because bitterness begins to feed poison into your soul, all of the fruit of the Spirit that God would produce in your life is rotting away. And without God's fruit producing in your life, it leads to hatefulness. What does that mean? What is hatefulness? Psalm 37 and 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Well, what wrath, wrath and hatefulness, those are synonymous words. It's in one word for the other. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. See, hatefulness, wrath, is the action that flows from bitterness. It's something that happens. Once I've, anger has kind of taken control and, and it leads to hatefulness, that's the, that's the action that overflows from a bitter heart. How often have you said hurtful things? Come on, you've You've allowed your frustration to mount up over time and your fuse has grown shorter. What does that mean? No, no, your heart has grown fuller. Like you are, your heart is becoming full of the anger and the bitterness, the resentment that it comes that comes into our life. Remember, it's not a short fuse, it's a full heart. Remember uh, a while back, my wife started calling me out on my bad attitude. And um, you know, it's easy to put on a good face in front of others. Those closest to you know, like they can see it. And she would say things like, Brandon, why are you, why are you, why, where's your, why are you not patient? Like, why don't you have more patience? And I would justify it. I would say, because I had patience five years ago, and it's the same thing. Like, why are we continuing, you know, to get, like, you know, like real little stupid things, like dumb things. Like, I would get in, like, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty particular about, like, a car, like, your, the cleanliness of your car. My wife is not, <laughs> by any stretch. So, like, we would get in as a family into the car, and I would be like, why every time, you know, like, my voice would change like every time does it have to be this way? And, and my wife called me out. She's like, why are you so hateful? Like, why are you so mean? And I was like, why can't it just be clean? <laughs> I would really, I was justifying being a jerk. I was, I was, she was calling me out. I had allowed anger to settle. It's the truth. If I'm honest with myself, I had allowed it to stay. And it had resulted in bitterness over dumb things. It had resulted in, it's like it was poisoning my attitude. 
and in hatefulness overflowed. Despite the fruit of the Spirit, right? It was poisoning the fruit of the Spirit. Why don't you have any patience? Because it's wearing thin. I had patience way back here, and there's only so much patience a man can have, you know? Like, like you say dumb things like that, and like that's the dumbest thing. There's nothing true about that. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. He'll produce it over and over and over again in your life. If that stuff is depleting, it should be an indication that something is depleting it. Something is removing the fruit that God would want in your life, and it's hatefulness. You say things. It's the action that overflows from unaddressed bitterness in your life. Anger produces a root of bitterness that will destroy. It will rot every fruit of the Spirit God has for you. It turns to hatefulness. And listen, check this out. Hatefulness left unaddressed. Bitterness grows to hatefulness. Man, you're, you're cynical. You're, you're angry. You're just mean. You're just a, a negative person. Why you gotta ever, why you gotta turn everything into something negative? Why you gotta be so pessimistic about stuff? That leads to aloneness. Aloneness. Oh, man, we don't use that word a lot. No, we don't. I'm going to tell you the difference. There's a difference between loneliness and a loneliness. And aloneness. They're, they're close, but they're not synonymous. You see, you can be in a crowded room and still feel lonely. You can be in a marriage, still be married, yet still feel lonely. So that's an emotion you feel. Aloneness is this predisposition to want to be alone. And that's not always bad. To, to, to need time, time to rejuvenate and to get alone. That's not always bad, except when bitterness and anger are controlling your life. Because that's the predisposition towards just being alone, by yourself, away from people. It's a result of writing people off. You go, hey, you want to go hang? You want to go have lunch with this person? Nope. <laughs> I want nothing to do with him. You want to be alone. You'd rather just be by yourself than around godly community. Bitterness and hatefulness meticulously Come on, I want you to understand this. It's almost surgical the way they separate you from the good things that God would rather have for your life. It's meticulous from community that God would otherwise want you in. And then here's what you do. You find yourself, maybe you can take, like we're just testing ourselves. You find yourself really only surrounding yourself with like-minded negative people. So you don't want to be around somebody unless you can talk bad about something. Like, you, get, you know, you're out to dinner with families, you have a bad experience, and the first thing you want to do is talk about how bad your service is. Instead of seeing, like, instead of seeing the best in somebody, giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, my glass is always half empty, right? It's always, and that's the problem because my glass is empty. They ain't filling it up. They're not fast enough, right? Like, like you're just negative. You're just, an, you're just an angry, irritable person, and you find yourself where you want to be alone, and quite honestly, people don't want to be around you because... You got a bad attitude because hatefulness, um, uh, alone, it's turned into bitterness. Anger's turned into bitterness that's turned into aloneness. And the problem is you're surrounding yourself with everything that tends to just be poisoning you. It's a poisonous attitude. It's spiritual. Do you find yourself avoiding people that you otherwise should be in community with? You should be. You should be in community. So what does it look like? All right, I see. Anger produces poison. Man, wow, I am negative. Man, they do call me out a lot. I have justified these things. Yeah, that's right. Now what do I do about it? I've got a full heart. I don't have a short fuse. I have a full heart. How do I purify that? How do I put it through a filter that can clean this stuff up? If you'll take your, turn your notes over on the back, I'm going to give you some. Three things that I think will help us all. Literally, come on, it can be life-changing. Some of us are being poisoned. Number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness, this one's huge. It's big. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will, for, will also forgive you. 
Now underline this part because this is huge. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Let that sink in for two seconds. Oh, man, I thought this thing, I thought this, this relationship thing was just personal between me and God, nobody else. It's conditional, right? Hey, hey, if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. If you can't seem to find your way to forgive others, God will not forgive you. And here's what I want you to understand because I, I can see, I can read your minds right now. I can hear you. Brandon, you don't know what this person did to me. You don't know the hurt that I've walked through for 30 years. You don't understand the pain that I'm living in. I can never forgive that offense. Can I tell you this? Listen, Jesus would never command us to do something that is impossible to do. Never. What you're saying is you're allowing anger and bitterness and aloneness and resentment. You're allowing those things to control your emotions. They've taken control. Watch that, no, watch that anger doesn't what? Control you. You're allowing those things to take control. You see, forgiveness isn't an emotional decision. I'll never forgive anyone if I allow my emotions to lead to my decisions. Do you know that? Come on, that's just common sense. If I let my emotions lead the way, I'll never forgive anybody. Why? Because I'm ticked. That's why. I'm mad. You offended me. That's why you're not forgiven. Let me, let's, let's kind of lay it all out what forgiveness is, what it isn't. Listen, if we make decisions based on our emotions, we'll never do it. So our, our decisions can't be based on our emotions. They have to be based on the truth of God's word. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not these things. You want to write them down. It's not condoning the offense. Just because you forgive someone doesn't justify their action. What's wrong is wrong, okay? It's wrong. It shouldn't have been done. It doesn't condone it. Number two, it's not forgetting the offense. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to forget it. If I loan you $1,000... And you come to me and say, Brandon, I can't pay you. And I go, okay, well, that stinks, but you're, you're debt forgiven. I realize I'm not going to get anything, right? If you come to me the very next day and go, hey, Brandon, hey, you got a thousand, can I borrow a thousand dollars? I am an idiot if I say yes, right? I just lost a thousand dollars. You ain't giving it back. Why would I give you another thousand dollars? It's not like, it's like, did I have amnesia all of a sudden? Like, you didn't pay me back yesterday. Like, it's not forgetting the offense, it's letting go of it. It doesn't mean that the pain of the offense is gone. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you're going to instantly feel better. You understand that? The pain is still the pain. A wound is still a wound. Number, listen, this one's huge. It's not based on the offender's actions. Your ability to forgive someone has nothing to do with whether or not they ever apologize. And so many of us are, are stuck on that one thing. I'm not going to forgive them until they make the first move. They may never make the first move. And here's the problem with that, men, with that mentality. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It has nothing to do with that person. Far too often, most of the time, the offender oftentimes don't even know that they have offended. Or even if they realize they've offended you, they've moved on with their lives. And you're stuck. You're stuck drinking poison into your soul. And it's affecting you like nothing else. You see, God commands us to forgive because all, God realized more than anything that forgiveness is more about me and not about them. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Stop drinking the poison. Stop drinking the poison. Number two, forgiveness leads to kindness. It's kind of a parallel. In the first half of your notes, we realize that anger leads to bitterness. Bitterness is an action 
Overflow of anger, isn't it? From the overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. From the overflow of anger, bitterness is produced. It, it, it overflows into hatefulness. Now we see that, that forgiveness overflows into kindness. It's an action. It's a result. And I love it. In Romans 2, he talks about the kindness of God. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does that mean nothing to you? Let that settle in. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's kindness that makes the difference in people's lives. It's kindness that overflows into change. I've learned this in my life. Just saying it louder, it doesn't really work. <laughs> Anybody been there? When's the last time screaming in a little louder made anything help, like helped anything in the situation? Tends to typically make things a little bit worse, right? It heightens the situation. Really, the only effective way to combat the progression of anger in our hearts is kindness. Kindness. It's my intentional effort of kindness, tolerance, and patience that will open my eyes to what God sees in humanity. And listen to this. This can be offensive to some, but I want you to hear it, okay? Because it's the truth. If I only view people by their sin and their flaws, if I only view people by the reality of what I see, I'm no different than Satan himself. It's demonic. It's a demonic way to view people. You see, Satan, the Bible says, is who calls us by our name. The Bible says in 1 John that there is an enemy in heaven daily telling God all of the junk that we've done in our lives. But we have an advocate with the Father whose name is Jesus, who's not calling us by our name, but by our sin, or, or our sin, but by the blood applied to our lives. You see, God sees us through the potential that he has placed on our lives. You see, Jesus doesn't see the junk that we're in right now. He can call us out because he sees the potential of what could possibly be. And if we only view people by the decisions and the stuff that they've done to us and the, the reality of where they are in their lives, we are no different than Satan himself. So we need to view people by their potential, not by their present. We need to believe the best in everyone, even if they're not proving the best. We need to call out the best. We need to look for ways to serve others and to be kind, and to make a difference in their lives. Proverbs says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Kindness makes the difference in people's lives. And number three, I want to call us to repentance. To repentance. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us of all of our sins. And I love this. How do I change a full heart? What does repentance do? He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Mom, I want to encourage you. Stop giving weight to your anger. Stop giving weight to the emotion. Stop giving weight, allowing bitterness to graft itself in and poison every fruit of the Spirit in your life. Take an honest assessment of your life right now where you sit. Man, where's my patience? Has it grown thin? Am I patient with people? What about kindness? What about goodness? Am I good? Do I instantly, do I instantly allow... Do, would, I, would I classify myself as someone with a short fuse? Do I instantly allow things to irritate me and frustrate me? Come on, listen, church, I want to tell you, God's got something better for you than that. There's a better life to live. There's a better attitude to have. There's more fruit that he can produce in your life than you could ever dream or imagine. It doesn't have, listen, it's not okay that you call yourself a realist and you stay pessimistic. It's not okay that we stay in this, this attitude. Listen, it's demonic. It's, it allows the enemy to bring control 
into our relationships and into our lives, and it keeps us from seeing people the way that God sees them. We need to repent. We need to walk away. Stop giving weight to our anger. I want you to know that repentance isn't an apology. It's not. Repentance is the action that comes from an apology. An apology, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Say, that's an apology. That's fine. You can do that. But until you prove that with action, walk away from it. Walk away from it. How many times have you stuck your foot in your mouth you had to say, I'm sorry, but you continue to stick your foot in your mouth? Ten years later, you're still a negative person. You're still, you're still pessimistic and nothing's really changing. Why? Because you've said I'm sorry a whole bunch of times. You've never actually repented from it. You've never actually walked away from it. And, you, and that, grew, that, that graft of bitterness is still in your soul and it's still poisoning the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I want you to understand something. You need to recognize it today. If the fruit of the Spirit is not present in your life today, it's because something is rotting it away. And if patience is thin and kindness is thin and, and, and goodness is thin and, and those things aren't, aren't overflowing in your life, then something is rotting that inside your soul and you need to repent from it. So here's some questions I want to ask you. How has your anger strengthened your relationships? I want to ask yourself that. Man, how's that made my, how's that made my marriage better? Has it? Nope. Right? Has your realist mantra really separated you from God's best? And if I'm honest, it's, it's true. It has. Today, I'm inviting you to repent. Come on, walk away from anger, bitterness, being alone. This, this, this idea that I'd just rather be alone than to be around a bunch of fake people. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing. Come on, G allow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to prune some things away today. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Our band's going to come. Nothing funny or weird's going to happen. I just want to pray with you right where you are. Maybe you're here today and we can take some honest assessments. Honest assessments. Man, I'm, uh, Brandon, if, if I'm honest with some of these questions, they're true. Call myself a realist? No, I'm not. I'm really just, I'm really just a pessimist. Let me explain why that doesn't make sense for you to do something like that, for me to do something like that. Do you think, do we actually think that God's sitting up in heaven just ignorantly overlooking faults and offenses? Well, you're, you're, just, you're just overly positive. You just don't see the reality of what things are. No. God's not up in heaven ignorantly overlooking faults and offenses. God's the biggest realist there ever was. He knows every single thing. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just see our actions. He understands the motives behind them. He knows every dumb, stupid decision I've ever made, yet he still doesn't call me by those decisions. Yet still, he doesn't look at me in a negative light. He calls me by the potential that he's calling out of me, that he sees and created for me. I want to encourage you today. Listen, nothing good's ever going to come out of a bad attitude. Nothing good's ever going to come out of anger issues. Stop letting the sun go down on your anger. Stop allowing bitterness to graft itself into your soul. It's poisoning every fruit that God would want in your life. 
Come on, he wants, he's got a better purpose and plan for you today. Maybe you're here and that's you and you say, Brandon, I need to lay it down. I need to lay every bit of that down. I'm going to encourage you. Listen, on that Connect card, I'm going to encourage you to pull it out. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Maybe you need to recommit. Maybe for the first time in a long time, you need to make a fresh commitment to your faith journey with Jesus. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, is the answer to a full heart of bitterness and anger. Only Jesus can purify unpure things. So my heart's full. We confess that today, Jesus. I don't have a short fuse. I have a full heart. And Father, I'm praying that you change that. God, far too long, my mouth has overflown. My heart's overflown into things that don't honor you. And they're affecting everybody around me. It's affecting my marriage, my relationship with my kids. It's affecting maybe my workplace. People don't even want to be around me. They see me and they go the other way because I'm negative. I've justified it for far too long and it's poisoning my soul. Father, I pray that you prune away a bitter root in my heart. Cut out the thing that doesn't produce fruit. Come on, right where you are, maybe you'll pray that right where you are. Father, prune right now. Spiritual, do spiritual surgery on my heart right now. I don't want to leave here the same. I don't want to go another day. I don't want to go another day viewing things by what they are. I want to see people with the eyes that you see people. I want to, I want to walk in generosity and kindness. I want to begin to have goodness and self-control. I want, to be able to, I want to be able to live a life that honors you. Father, forgive me of my sins. I lay it all down at the foot of the cross and I ask that you would do what only you can do. God, you said that you would throw it as far as the east is from the west. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Father, thank you Thank you for life change. Thank you that it doesn't have to stay the way it's been. But I can walk out of here changed in the name of Jesus. And God will give you all the glory and all of the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate that today? Come on, I believe it. Life change happens.